Well, good evening, everyone. Um, there's a prayer I want to I want to have for us. We just had it, but then Barton's distracted me, and I lost. So I blamed him as he as he left. There we go. For our catechumens, where is it? Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, in holy baptism, you began your good work in our catechumens, and you have blessed their instruction and training in your word. We implore you to pour out your Holy Spirit on their hearts and minds so that they will truly love and revere you, confess the faith with joy and boldness, endeavor to live according to your commandments, and praise and glorify you as their faithful God and Lord. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So today, my, my goal is to cover really any, any like lingering questions you guys might have had um, up till now. The handout that I have before you is um, the subject of vocation in the Christian life, which touches on a variety of issues. So I mean, I, I'm happy to, I can give the abridged version of that in a pinch. So, um, and I also want to look at the, the vows, the installation rite, so it doesn't catch you by surprise. So we went over the installation rite at the first class to kind of be like, okay, this is what you're getting yourself into. And um, it's good to do it again. So this, so we turn in your hymnal to page 272. I'm hoping that our, um, our publishing house, CPH, will come out with more burgundy books that we can throw in the mix here. So you have like a variety, more variety. Uh, 272. Oh, and there's, there's a, so many little, little things that um, I want to, if, if you walk away tonight with one thing, it's this. Please come to adult Bible class until you die. Uh, it's forever. <laughs> uh, and here's why. Everything, like all, my, my, my goal, and you guys are a huge part of, of, of us kind of changing the congregation, because every year new members come in. And, um, and you become part of the family, right? And then people get transferred to different places. But over the, or the longer that I'm here, and the longer like, we kind of teach the same thing through and through, the, the whole culture of the congregation starts to shift. So you're, you kind of get, um, you're, you are one of like what, the last four or five classes that's kind of uh, stuck seeing the, the mind of Clemmer and like where we want to go with this place. And you've kind of chosen to jump into this congregation, this particular congregation, knowing full well my flaws and what you're getting yourself into, the culture of Bethany, what we're, what we're trying to do here and so forth. But um, good evening. Good evening. Come on. Front row again, maybe. Let's see. Or maybe we can squeeze you in the back. This would be the super pious. We could put Ella here. Ella's right there. Ella, Ella in the front. You did so well last time, I feel like. And peanut M&M's. Just when I thought you couldn't get any cooler, <laughs> peanut M&M's. I wasn't joking. You actually, oh man, you accommodated so kind of you. Um, so what, what I try to do on Sunday morning is, so we have the divine service, and we want to be clear about why we're in church on Sunday morning. There, I don't know where he is. <laughs> There's three meetings happening simultaneously tonight, so we're... Yeah, I was wondering the same thing. I got here, I'm like, am I late? I forget to change. Um, so Sunday morning in the divine service is our receiving the Lord's gifts. Forgiveness of sins, life and salvation, strengthening of faith. We want to be clear about that. And then we're on our way uh, out, of the, out the sanctuary. We go into fellowship. And there we are more like as we're into, integrating into the community of faith, our life together as a church, getting to know one another beyond you know, this room, trying to immerse yourselves more in the life of the congregation, being able to help and be helped as, as uh, your situation is. Um, but like the, all the, the, the annoying, no matter what church you go to, every, church, every congregation has their routines. Like all the, the weird church announcements, like I kind of, I want to push that out of the sanctuary. Just, so we, we have this like general fellowship time of donuts and coffee, which we've upped our coffee game. We've got some Kirkland, no, no longer Folgers. Now we've got Kirkland dark roast. Uh, I think medium. We still medium roast? Okay. Medium, yeah, medium I think, has more caffeine than dark, so that's probably a good idea. Um, 
But then we kind of go over, hey, here's, here's where we're going as a church. Here's kind of our, our goals. Um, here's, what we're, here's what we need on boards. Here's, here's kind of why we're doing certain things in the church. That way I don't have to waste people's, I don't, I don't waste the sermon on that kind of stuff. You'll never hear me talk about like goal setting, vision nonsense and that kind of stuff from the pulpit. It's not the purpose of the pulpit. The pulpit's to unfold the gospel, to convict of sin and forgive sins and then be on our way. But, uh, but we're, what, should, we, should we do the whole Narthex remodel? It's going to cost us a million bucks and it's going to be a capital campaign and all these decisions. Uh, I want to talk about that before Bible study on Sunday. Um, and that's, so that's where we can really tell the, 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 we can get our finger on the pulse of what the congregation, the active congregation wants. Um, then the voters assembly proper, which I really want to encourage you to jump into the voters assembly too, those meetings have become very, very quick and painless. They used to be quite painful, but uh, <laughs> I'm trying to, we've, we've come a long way because um, we try to take care of all the heavy lifting outside of that. And so then the, the, the voters assembly gets together just kind of formally deciding some of these things from a left-hand kingdom legal perspective as the representative body of the congregation. But I want to know, I, I don't want to do anything that the active congregation doesn't want to do. So um, where you can kind of get, understand why we're doing what we're doing, where we're going, how to get more involved, what we're looking for. That's all during fellowship time um, before Bible study. And then uh, be on your way. If you need to go, take off. Hello, hello. Um, but then if, obviously I would encourage you to stick around too because the, the learning, the learning that, that kind of we begin in the small catechism as, or as children in the, in the scriptures you spend your whole life learning. And it's so easy to, as the scriptures say, they'll actually be in the gospel reading for this coming Sunday, for us to fall asleep. Um, that is to kind of stop tending to the fire of our faith and studying God's word and, and, and receiving his gifts. So think about how you fall asleep at night. Like, it's hard to, at least for me, especially thanks to the gift of melatonin, uh, it's hard to put your finger on, like, when you fall asleep. You kind of lay down. And for me, I'm just usually gone immediately. Uh, but I don't, I don't think about it. You just kind of like you lay down and you, all of a sudden you fall asleep. Or there's nights where you wake up at 2 in the morning because for whatever reason and you can't get back to sleep and your thoughts run through your head. Finally, you don't, you don't realize it, but at some point you realize you fell asleep because your alarm went off at 5 or whatever woke you up, right? So, but falling asleep happens like slowly and kind of creeps in. So too with falling out of faith. Uh, this, the habit, this reading the scriptures, staying in Bible study, coming to church is this, we have to kind of train our bodies with habits of just doing it. You do it because you do it because you do it. And you actually benefit from that. When you fall out of that routine, you fall out of that habit, and then you, all of a sudden you fall asleep. And the list is long of those. And then what happens is, here's what I'll, I'll fast forward the clock for you. We'll call you after you haven't been here in a while. And you will feel guilty and you won't answer the phone. And then you won't call me back. And then we'll call you again. And you won't call me back because you feel more guilty and more guilty. And then eventually you just stop coming. You get mad at the church. You join somewhere else. Then you'll maybe, hopefully by the grace of God, in two years down the road, you end up joining a different church with a list of reasons why you didn't like this one. But you stop coming to this one. And you stop being a part of the process. At least yell at me a lot before you leave. So I know why, right? <laughs> uh, so... Come to Bible study on Sunday. Come to fellowship, right? Fellowship, uh, and where you get that, where you get the little bit of the announcement stuff. Uh, we get a glance is um, kind of our general view of that stuff. Like you know, all the all the details that other churches might throw in the, throw in their bulletins. We want to keep that out of the bulletins. Keep the bulletins worship focused. Um, what else do I want to say? Um, I mentioned I mentioned CPH. Uh, our, our publishing house. So every church body has publishing houses. It's not just a, it's not just a body that, that puts binding on books that anybody puts out. But the, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, of which you will now, now be a part, is, um, goes through rigorous, everything that they publish goes through what's called doctrinal review. And it's pastors and, and um, theologians from the seminary, all appointed by the presidents, have to evaluate anything that comes through CPH, so that any, any devotional, any curriculum, any book is always, every, every nook and cranny of these books have been gone through an extensive vetting process so that you know that these are going to be teaching faithfully the scriptures. 
So that's the idea. So people come to me with a book that their aunt gave them um, from like Fort, or uh, I can't remember the big presses in, in Michigan. The class, Erdman's. Like you got really a lot of really good faithful publishing houses out there and a variety of different authors with different backgrounds. But like you, you hand me a Baptist book and you're like, Pastor, is this a good one to give my granddaughter or whatever? And I'm looking at it like, well, they, they stripped it of baptism and, or whatever. You know, like, so I'm having to do the doctrinal review for you. It's not bad. You know, you can know that Concordia Publishing House is generally a, a, pretty, a pretty faithful place to be looking for books to buy your kids and uh, devotional books for your family and all that stuff. Gloria, that's more of like, so Gloria Press is specifically ch- children's books. So if you've got children, grandchildren, uh, they do a great job of setting hymns to, uh, to pictures for, in children's book form and then cardboard. So as we know, like the kids will try to destroy it in every way. Um, the, um, there's a public, a, a monthly uh, magazine that CPH puts out called Lutheran Witness. And we've signed you up for that. Have we done that? Have we fin- finished? It's in the works. Um, so your, for your first year, we'll pick up the publication for you. So you'll be getting this random news or a magazine. It's a well-done magazine in the mail called The Lutheran Witness, which is basically scholarly articles written for the laity addressing relevant issues. And every, every month has a different focus um, from, from things that are happening. In the, like, I'm not even sure what, what, it, what it is, but the classic idea would have been for this month with the election that just happened, they might have said something like the two kingdoms. That is our role as Christians living in both the, the, the kingdom of the left, the government, our, our role as voters, but also how it's distinctly different, our role as Christians in the church and how that kind of works out and, and how our faith influences our, our life in the left-hand kingdom and all that. So the entire, from different articles addressing different topics, all in there. Um, but I think this month was actually based on uh, death <laughs> sounds more morbid than it is, but uh, the theology of behind the, the resurrection, heaven, afterlife, and all that kind of stuff. So articles on there. So that will be coming your way. So look, look to that. Um, page two seventy two, and, and you, I'm just going to keep going tonight because I got so much I need to cover. But if you got questions, I, I promise to answer any lingering questions you have. You know, I drag you through a few at me already before we get started here. So if you have, just cut me off, and uh, what if, with any questions you have. The, the ride on page 272 is going to be happening on Sunday morning after the sermon. And I'm preaching. Uh, this Sunday is actually the, uh, it's like the next to last Sunday of the church year. So if you know your church, your church theology, when is the church year start? Advent, which is actually just, I mean, chronologically it doesn't work because John the Baptist is Jesus' cousin and he's like 30 when he shows up on the scene in Advent. But Advent is like this, the foretelling of the coming of Christ, also the reminder of the second coming of Christ. But in our, kind of in our minds, Advent's kind of like leading up to Christmas Eve. So it's like the prophecies of Jesus, John the Baptist foretelling Jesus, and then Christmas Eve, we have the Christmas season. And then we get the life and teaching of Jesus, and then the resurrection of Jesus at Easter, and then the life of the church throughout the whole Pentecost season that we're currently in. And as the, the season of the church ends in, a, in God's time, that is, in the picture of eternity, when the season of the church ends, it's Jesus coming back to take his church. And then the final judgment and all that kind of scary-esque stories at the end of the gospel reading. And so every year when we have the end of the church year, the readings kind of hit that same theme. It's the end times. The, depending on the year, you get the sheep and the goats, the wise and foolish virgins, uh, this Sunday is like the fear and foreboding with the, the heavens being shaken and the return of Christ and all this kind of stuff. Um, so the, uh, if you hear like the, the hymn of the day, we intentionally chose this Sunday. It's fun. Like, I, I always joke with uh, Tom Mueller, our, the guy who puts our bulletins together, because the hymn is quite jolly. I always picture a little leprechaun dancing around, but the text is like, all about the, the final judgment, the turn of Christ, the fire and foreboding, the, the unbelievers thrown into hell, eternal damnation. And that's what you're singing for four, for four verse, four long, painful verses. Then, because of what really hammers home our, what we deserve outside of Jesus. And then stanza five, but Jesus paid the debt I owe. 
And, and basically all these things that should maybe cause me tremendous fear has all been taken care of by Jesus who, who took all the wrath of Jesus in my place or all the wrath of, of sin on, in my place. So uh, that's this Sunday's hymn of the day. You'll be like, this is a weird reading for uh, the new member class or installation Sunday. It wasn't picked because of you. It's because of the church year. It just happened to be convenient for our schedule to pop you in this Sunday. So uh, don't freak out. So that's the hymn of the day. And then I'll have hopefully a relatively short sermon and then we'll call you up. So new members, please come forward at this time. Come up to the rail, uh, just as you do for communion. Um, Even across the middle part, if you wanted. Yeah, don't do the middle part where there's no pad because you kneel toward the end of this thing. So you all come up, you'll bring your bulletin, and we actually put all of your responses in the bulletin. So all you have to do, you only have to turn around and face. Actually, um, everybody will face me except for Ella has to turn around and face the whole country. I'm kidding. <laughs> like the greatest fear. No. Uh, and so then, then all we'll do is we'll just go through what you basically have before you on 272, 273, on what, uh, what the faith is. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And this is holy baptism and this ongoing life of teaching the faith, that, or ongoing life of learning the faith that you've been baptized into. Teach them to observe all that I've commanded you, which you've continued, you've been doing now, you're continuing to do. Uh, and then uh, whoever denies me before men will deny before my Father in heaven. Whoever confesses me before men, my Father will, um, I, w- I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. And then I say, lift up your hearts, therefore, to the God of all grace and joyfully give answer to what I now ask you in the name of the Lord. And then it's all, these are actually the same vows as the baptism. Do you, do you uh, believe all the stuff about baptism, all the promises that God gave in your baptism? Do you renounce the devil and his works and his ways? And then we confess the creed. Do you believe in God the Father Almighty? And then you get to practice before the whole congregation your wonderful ability to speak in unison as a smaller group. Especially in the, the Jesus Christ our Lord, that little response. Uh, yes, I believe in Jesus Christ. So you're all speaking that together in unison. Uh, do you believe in the Holy Spirit? Yes, I believe. And that's so far all that we've been learning in the catechism thus far. And then do you hold all the prophetic and apostolic scriptures to be the inspired word of God? So you believe the Bible is the Bible, is the, is the Word of God. Prophetic means prophets. Apostolic means New Testament. So that's what we refer to as the Bible. Is it the Word of God? Yes, I do. Uh, do you confess the doctrine, the teachings of the Evangelical Lutheran Church drawn from the Scriptures as you've learned, to learn it from the small catechism, which is what we've been going through in this class, kind of refreshing for those of you who have been through it once before, but kind of going through the whole catechism. Do you intend to hear the word of God and receive the Lord's Supper faithfully? Are you going to come to church? <laughs> Do you intend to live according to the word of God and faith, word and deed? Remain true to God even to death? I do, by the grace of God. Do you intend to continue steadfast this confession in church? No, it's capital C. So like if you get ticked off at Pastor Clemmer and, and you want to go to a different congregation, fine. But the idea is the church is bigger than Bethany, right? It's about the confession of, of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. So uh, to, to, main, to make true to that and to suffer all, even death, rather than fall away from it, like we're hopefully not have to suffer death, but the idea would be I'd rather die than go to hell, right? I'd rather die in the faith and go straight to heaven. We rejoice then with thankful hearts that you've been baptized, received the teaching of the Lord, you've confessed the faith and have been absolved of your sins. Uh, as you continue to hear the Lord's word and receive his sacrament, he has begun a good work in you and bring it to completion of the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. And then, like, basically, I'm, we, I think for the sake of time, we don't go through all the individuals, but it's just the, I, I give this one blessing to all of you, uh, the blessing for him to continue to forgive your sins and strengthen you in the faith. And there's a prayer, and you're all kneeling. I'll, ha- I'll have you all kneel. At the, just before I give that blessing, I'll you kneel. I give you the blessing. There's a prayer. And then, like, I think there's a welcome here. Yeah, the final, Almighty, most merciful God, this water is holy bad. A long, long prayer. Peace be with you. And I'll say, you can stand and go back to your seats. Right? Um, some years, we, depending on if I have time, we'll go down and shake everyone's hands. But, they, you know, shaking everyone's hands was really uncool the last, like, two years. Um, but, but so now we don't want to put everybody in a, in a weird position. So we just maybe just go going away. That's right. <laughs> How about the kiss of peace? Really push beyond shaking hands. No. Uh, but you also have to stand up and then return to your seats. And, and that really, that's, and that's it. So that's, that's the installation. And the idea there is simply, 
these, these people who are communing at this rail with us, when they commune with us, they're saying we believe, they believe what we are about and we believe what they're about. And they haven't, I haven't gotten to know them yet. And so now you'll be standing in front of the congregation and your, and your names will be listed there uh, in the bulletin. And people will say, oh yeah, we, we need to get to, go, get to know them and hopefully chase you down, whatever. Um, and then um, for those of you who haven't communed yet, some of you haven't, I know. Um, so the idea, I, we don't do a separate communion for, for, uh, for, confirma- for the new members. So it's just wherever you're sitting, just come up when you, when you come up. And in case you haven't, our, our little local nuances, every, every church I mean, is very different with communion. It's always the fun game of when you visit a church, you kind of, you, you want to, actually what you want to do is do the, uh, the, the pastor the honor of letting him know that you're coming. You could call in advance. If you can't call in advance, show up. Hardly anyone does that. And now when people do it, when they come up to me before church and say, hi, they, they want to introduce themselves and tell me that they're Lutheran and they want to commune, like, like the very fact that they're doing it indicates that they're hardcore because no one does it. It's just how, unfortunately, we often think that we're entitled. Like, I'm here, the Lord's Supper is my Lord's Supper. Like, no, I, I, don't, I don't walk into your house and throw my feet up on your kitchen table and demand supper, right? Um, and so, so when you go into somebody else's church, their family dinner, you're asking, hey, can I commune with you guys? I'm Lutheran, this is my congregation, Bethany, Naperville. Oh, I've heard of them, they're terrible. I, mean, I know Plymouth's the worst, but I was stuck with them. Can I commune with you? Sure, and then they're, and you're off you go, right? When you visit a church, probably don't sit in the front, because why? Everyone's communion is different. So you're like, do I, isn't that fun? You stand up, do I go, where do I get, do I go left? Do I go right, when do I leave? Some people do like the dismissal. Some people don't do a dismissal. We're obviously more of like, I think it's called, I think the technical name is pilgrim style, which doesn't make any sense to me. I call it like drive-through. Uh, but you kneel. So it's not full-blown drive-through where you actually just grab the bread and wine off and go. But you actually kneel. But we don't do the full dismissal for every table because it, it would take long. Um, but yeah, come up. And so the, the pastor gives out the bread. And that's basically the, so this is why we, part of why we do this class. Um, so I'm saying this person can commune with us because I know them, uh, or I know that they're in fellowship with us insofar as I can tell. Um, the, with a congregation of our size, we reread that statement because a lot of times I don't have time to run around and figure out who people are. So we read the statement because... It's, you can lie to me if I walked up to you and said, hey, are you Lutheran? You could say, yeah. Even if you're not, you could say, yeah. So we read the statements because what, what it basically says is this. When you're communing here, you're saying you're Lutheran. You can lie to me if you want, but that's on you. That's why we do it, in case you're ever wondering. Um, and when you commune somewhere else, by the way, this is why we, like, we, we, don't, we want to discourage communing in other congregations, not Lutheran congregations, but congregations that are of a different confession of faith. Because um, when you commune at an altar, you're receiving the Lord's Supper. It's, well, if they even confess that it's the Lord's Supper. So like Wesleyan or, or Baptist, for example, they don't actually believe it's the true body and blood of Christ. So it's like, what am I receiving if I receive the Lord's Supper there? Just bread and wine? Then why do it? Right? So, I mean, out of reverence to them, you would not commune there. Um, but then also you're saying you're in fellowship with the rest of their teachings. So we try to, especially by reading that statement every week, I mean, you guys have all been around long enough to be like, okay, it adds like two minutes of service. Can we get this thing going? No, I'm going to do it every single week because it drives it deep in everybody's head what altar and pulpit fellowship are all about. When you commune in a church, you're saying you believe what they teach. And, and it's from these little kids who've been hearing it their whole life. It kind of like gets into their head. Now they know, I don't, I don't just commute anywhere, right? But if you do go on vacation or something, um, try, if, you need, if you ever need help finding a church where you're going on vacation, it is fun. Like me and, me and the pastors, it's like, hey, do you know anybody down in like Miami? Oh, no, we should get online and find. There's like a, you can go on Lutheran, you can Google it actually. The, the, um, there's a, it's called LCMS slash find a church. You can just type in the town and the, and the proximity and find churches. And you can actually, you can narrow down by worship styles and um, congregation size, whether or not they have a school and all these different things. You can find more detail on that. But really, my, my idea is that you just want a pastor who's faithful to the gifts. He's going to teach 
the Lord's word faithfully and deliver the deliver the gifts to you. So. So when I first came to service, I did ask him if I needed to talk to you. <laughs> well, that's because he's doing a bad job. So, so, yeah, no, thank you for doing that. Good. So, like, the fact is, post in our post-COVID world, um, we so we had a we had a hardcore usher crew, um, old school, diehard. And it was kind of annoying because I try to do things differently. And you ever try to teach an old dog new tricks? That's not go over well. Um, so trying, but with COVID, like we had, ended up getting like a whole many ways, a lot of new uh, ushers, and um, some of them know, some of them know to, to come get us. And some of them will say no. They even ask you anything. <laughs> well, I just wanted to be aware. I'm gonna work on that. But that's the idea. Uh, usually, though, they, what they do is they just they grab me, like when we come to the back. In fact, it might have happened that your first Sunday, because like whenever we come out for the procession from the sacristy, sneak to the back, the ushers will always tap us and say, "That couple over there, uh, they're visiting." And I say, "Did you talk? Are they Lutheran?" I don't know. I didn't talk to them. And then we'll kind of like peel over there and ask. But if I don't have time, I don't really worry about it anymore because I read the statement. If I didn't read the statement, it's like a whole different scenario. We used to put in like six-point font on the back of the bulletin on the bottom right-hand corner, and no one ever knew it was even there. Because why would they look? When you visit a church, you're like, hold on, let me flip over to the back and look at the small print in the bottom corner. No one does that. So it's like it's there, but it's not actually effective. Um, so, good. Um, any, any other lingering questions before I jump into vocation? I was just going to say, when my dad and I first came, my dad asked and said, we were Missouri Synod. Missouri Synod, you're good to go. So. Good. Yeah. Well, that's the idea. I think you left off at the bread and you didn't get to the wine. Did you want to talk? Oh, thank you. <laughs> so, so, we'll, so the pastor will come around um, with, the, with the bread and then one of the sacristans will come with the chalice. So I mentioned last week I talked about you know, I, we can put the bread in your mouth. If you're wondering why people might next to you receive it directly into their mouth or not, there's a reason for that. You receive it any way you want. Um, but then also the chalice typically is a preferred method. Um, Rick granted with COVID and things like that, people were reluctant. We haven't had anybody. Anybody dropped dead of COVID because of the common cup. And we spike it with Everclear. And we wipe the rim with Everclear. So, <laughs> so you're good. It's, it's, killed any, it's, it's, it's basically killed anything within a one-foot radius of that chalice. Uh, but and we use port. And uh, maybe, I think, after, after class today, we'll take Ella back there and let her taste the port so she doesn't freak out when she communes for the first time. Um, actually, it tastes, I, mean, it, I think it tastes fine. But everybody's different. Most churches use, like, garbage grape juice, like Welch's. It's like a weird fermented Concord Welch's thing. It's absolutely terrible. So we upgraded to port to make it a little bit more punch. It's got to be a blood of Jesus. Might as well make it count. Um, Needs a port guy. Yeah. That's <laughs> bottom shelf port. We're right now, I, I forget what we use. This is me. We're, we're going through, we go through so much. We communion every service. And um, well, so with the, the chalice will come by first. And, um, because here's, so this is just a pastor thing. Do whatever you want <laughs> in freedom. <clears throat> but you put yourself in my shoes. <clears throat> We're coming by. This is the blood of Christ that Jesus is giving to you for the forgiveness of sins. Okay? So here it comes. And you say, no. I'm going to wait for the next. No. I'll wait. I'll wait for the next so this, this here, not so this is the blood of Christ right now. Oh God, <laughs> well, obviously it doesn't matter. Whatever. So the chalice comes, and then the individual cups, and um, so the kind of the every church kind of has a different practice. But here's the historic one, or a historic one, you could say. Everyone says kind of different things. The only words that matter are at the words of institution, the words the pastor speaks. Um, really sanctifying, making holy these physical things with the Word of God, setting it apart for the purpose of forgiving sins. Um, 
And then uh, when, the, when the guys come by after me, I mean, I'm trying to get them to speed up because it, it does no good if, 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 if I ever have to practice pastoral care for some reason. So a guy comes to me and says, hey, I want to have an affair on my wife. And, and I'm like, uh, no. If you do that, you're, you're so it's called, I mean, excommunication is a big scary word from the, Ref, the Reformation era. Um, but, so the minor ban, pastoral care, however you want to call it, I'm not going to just like blindly forgive your sins when you're openly telling me that you're unrepentant about it. I'm having an affair, it's going great. Hey, Pastor Klimmer, especially when it's public. When things are of a private nature, like individual private struggles, when people are confessing their sins in private and we're working through stuff and they're repeating, repeating sins and so forth, that's a different issue. But especially when it's, when it's a public, a sin of a, a public nature, for me to commune this person like, so it's okay? So it's not a problem? This is hence the big deal in the Roman Catholic. When you got all these like Roman Catholic congressmen who are diehard in favor of killing babies. And they go to church and the pastor, faithful priests won't commune them because they're doing their job and the media makes a big stink about it. Well, they're, 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 the priests are saying, no, you, you think it's okay to kill babies. That's not okay. Right? Um... So it's good for the, the sacristans, as their official title, to be close to me. So they can actually see if I ever have to do that. I just don't commune someone. And um, it, 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 it's only gotten to that once in my, in my career thus far. Because typically when someone's that far gone in their unrepentance, what do they not do? Come to church. Right. They just don't come. Because they know what I'm going to do. Because I've told them in advance. So if they, if they, might, if they come up, it's to test me. And then then they just made me mad. I can joyfully do it. No. (laughs) Just pass them by, you know. Um, And and even that is ultimately toward repentance. So it's for a person to be struck by the, to be convicted by the depth of their sin. There's a reason why, like, you need to be repentant of your sin. Because Jesus isn't forgiving the stuff. If you want to let your, if you want to carry the center blocks with you into the deep part of the ocean, he'll let you. And he'll drag you to the bottom. He's saying, "Give give me the bricks. And you say, no, I'm going to hold on to this. That's unrepentance. Um, anyway, so you, they got your, your individual cup, and then the, the acolytes will come out afterward with their little tray and just put it back in the tray if you, if you choose to use the individual cups. Okay? If you're ever in the hospital, here's what you're going to do. You call your spouse. If you have a spouse, you call your children. Then you call me. You call your church. And, we'll, and we want to come because I love, I love to do... I love to teach. In my, in my career as a pastor, I love to teach and preach, and I love to visit people when they need a pastor. All the other stuff, because people say, oh, pastor's busy. We don't want to call him. I want to be busy helping you. I don't want to do the other stuff. When I'm helping you, I can say, I can't do that. Ask Beth. I'd be like, no, I can't get to it today. <laughs> let the, let the, you know, Pastor Schumacher, you're introducing yourself? Yeah. No, no time for that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I'm Pastor Schumacher. So, so typically, Pastor Schumacher is our uh, our visitation guy. I mean, as far as each each pastor, we're able to kind of delegate our duties, generally speaking. Um, but so P- Pastor Schumacher is on is on on Mondays. Me and Barton's are off on Mondays, and so like if there's a call that comes in, and whoever usually whoever gets the call is is going to the hospital. But he's our he's in charge of shut-ins and hospital calls and tracking down our, she- our sheep that have wandered. Yeah. Our COVID numbers, we have close to 300 people that, that had attended at some point in time and then during COVID. Or, or so Pastor calls them and, and most of the time you're getting what? What? When you call them, what do you get? Voicemail. Yeah, voicemail. <laughs> <laughs> so also you can answer the phone. Here's then, the, the best thing to do is say, hey, Pastor, you know, I'm really busy right now. Can I call you back? And then just don't call us back. At least yeah. you have us the honor of, well, of answering the phone, you know. I, I think two people answered last night. So I just want to say hi. I haven't seen the, the few class. And, um, and Pastor Schumacher lives about a minute away from here. So if you ever need to get into church for some reason, just call him late at night, one in the morning. Give him a call. <laughs> He's happy to let you in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll let you in. So yeah, Pastor Schumacher also teaches men's Bible breakfast. Um, I don't know if, if any of you guys First, have been invited. Yeah, we've had a couple... So what's first and third first Saturdays? And third Saturdays at, at what 8 time? A.M. So first Saturday of the month is just 
donuts and coffee, bunch of great guys. Third Saturday, these guys put the pancake and made a shame. They, they, uh, they are, it's an awesome feed. They do great, that's 8, 8.30 of breakfast, 8.30 to 9.30, we have to study. We've been doing books and Bibles, but now we're doing the small code articles right now. Why the small code articles? Because most Lutherans don't know it. So, it's, but it's good stuff, mature Lutheran. So, and we're having fun. We have fun, whatever we did, so. Um. He, he and I, we're very blessed. Every church with multiple pastors, there, many, many people I've spoken to uh, say when you've got a church with multiple staff, the pastors don't always get along as well as we do. So it's really cool. We're very different people. And that's part of, I think, the charm. We get along really well. It's a good, it's a good one-two punch. And then Barton has his own separate skill set. So it's been a really cool team that we're blessed with here. Um, where's that going? Communion. Finish communion. Good enough. Was that? No, I mean, do, do what you got to do. Yeah, yeah, do it, do it, do it. We do have a, a pretty high percentage of people who take for the common cup. And I won't see you anyway. I mean, I'm usually taking the bread one way or the other. Um, and if you ever want to get involved in any of these things, by the way, you're welcome to. Um, our, our, the guys who assist with giving out the, the wine are sacristans. Uh, the ushers in the back who ask people if they're Lutheran and then direct them to me. Um, passing out bulletins. It's a great way to get to know people. I really encourage people to plug in some way, somewhere. Um, and even if you say, you know what, I can't commit because I got these things. It doesn't matter. Like, we can plug you in. That's masterful at plugging people in with their schedules. Um, and then also, I mentioned the voters' assembly where really the, the big decisions of the church occur, um, like whether or not we want to call a new pastor. And each of you, and this will get to vocation, um, hopefully, um, each of you has gifts that God has given you that he did not give me. And he didn't give to the person sitting across from you. And uh, as the body of Christ, so w- w- the body has many members and each of us is given different gifts. So what's kind of cool about a church, especially a church of this size, you get so many people together, you've got so many, different, so many different skill sets. And so you're able to, whenever you've got to make big decisions... Um, you've got so many people with experience in that field to call on, to lean on, to get experience from. Even if it's not just vocational experience like the, your job, but just your life experience. Um, you went to a different church and they did this and it was a terrible thing. And, um, but most importantly, it's, this is your church. This is your, like, you don't, nobody just shows up and paints your living room without asking you what color you want it painted, right? So this is your church. So make it yours. Get involved. Plug in somewhere as your schedule allows. But you can't hop onto a board without being a voter and coming to Bible studies. That was my asterisk that I added. I wanted my boards to be Bible study attenders. As you see, I'm kind of passionate about Bible study. Um, so you got to jump in the voters' assembly. All it is is like twice. It meets fourth every quarter. we got one coming up in early December. So you just... It's right after late service. You grab pizza from the youth. You sit down for like 20 minutes. You listen to some reports and you get out of there. Um, because we're trying to push all the heavy lifting off of the voters' assembly, it's, it's, not, it's not a toxic environment at all as some churches can be. Um, part of that is uh, also done in the Bible study as well. We were to be Christian to one another, to be kind, speak kindly toward one another, be patient with one another, recognize that Things aren't going to go your way always. They don't go. Doesn't work that way in a family. We're 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 patient with one another. We're forgiving with one another. We recognize while we're here is ultimately to receive the forgiveness of sins, and then we are we're forgiving to those who hurt us in the same way that we would hope that they would be forgiving to us when we hurt them. And that's kind of the starting at the top. That's the the posture that we kind of have at church. And so when you kind of become part of that. At, when you come part of that assembly, you're able to, you see the humility there. That's the hope. Um, and then you can jump onto a board according to your skills. There's, there's a day school policy board which helps set a lot of the, the school's policies. I actually try to push people who don't have an incentive at the school, like for you guys, for example, because you have kids in the school, I'd be like, I don't want you on the day school policy board because you're, you're conflicted because you're, you're, you're having to think about how this affects my kids rather than the school is a mission of the church. Um, it's also a, a great ministry opportunity and so on and so forth, but it's hard to look at it objectively when you've got a foot in the door. So, um, but ultimately, we, we only get, we, we got what we, we go, to, we go to war with the army that we have, and so people are willing to serve, we, we, we put them on. 
Um, also, Board of Elders. That's kind of like after you've been here for a while, um, we'll ask people to serve as elder. Um, the the Board of Elders is really the main. They, they're the they're the big. They make all the major decisions. They're allegedly they make only the spiritual decisions. Problem is, everything that happens around here is spiritual in some way, because everything involves the money that you put in the offering plate, which has a spiritual kind of like flavor to it. And so, in a way, everything kind of works its way past the elders. Um, so when you have issues, when you get mad at me, actually, when you get mad at me, just talk to me, please. Um, but, I mean, when you have issues or questions, whatever, you can talk to an elder. You can talk to one of the other pastors. Um, but um, the, the Board of Finance makes a lot of the financial decisions of the church. Like, we just had a guy die and leave us a million dollars. That's a happy problem to have. Not that he died. But yeah, he's happy now. But uh, uh, Roger Homan, cool, cool dude. And you would have never known it. And then we get a letter. We're getting a million dollars from his trust or his estate. Like, oh, thank you. Yes, we'll, play, we'll, we'll paint the sanctuary finally. Thanks, Roger. Um, but but what, do we put all of it in? Do we do tie it up in our endowment? What do we? So you got our, our, all of our finance guys are like, they're putting like 20 grand over in this like short-term CD. And these are the long-term CD. These are going to write out the market, but we don't know about the market right now. So we're like doing all these things that, for me, I'd be like, Bitcoin, baby, let's go. Roll the dice. <laughs> That's why you don't, make, you don't want me making these decisions, right? Um, so I, I want to, any, any questions? You doing good? All right. Oh, and the Board of Trustees, yeah. I, mean, I forget. Um, I just can't focus. So Board of Trustees really just take care of everything around here. Um, every, every light bulb that needs to get fixed. I mean, you know, look at our ceiling in the sanctuary. Those bulbs are super-duper high. And so we have bulbs that go out. There's a lift that you have to kind of drive the lift in there and go way up. In the, and I can't. I'm scared to death of heights. Some of you might not be scared to death of heights. We could use it to change some bulbs. Anything that breaks, like when you guys first started the class, there was like a dead animal smell coming from the sink over there. Turns out there wasn't a, there wasn't like any water in the pee trap. So these guys figured that out. So um, very helpful. We cut our own grass here. Weird. It's so on Naperville. Like we've got everyone, so many people in Naperville pay to get their grass done. But we're, we're having to pay like a ridiculous amount of money. And during COVID, we had some members, Jacqueline Deitch and, and the Brouches, if you know them, they're like, hey, we did some, we crunched some numbers here. And it's like, we can buy a couple of those really cool, like zero turn radius uh, lawnmowers and bought that shed and like all this cool equipment. And it pays for itself in one year, or maybe two years by cutting it ourselves. And they cut it once a week and it always looked awesome on Sunday. In my entire time here, it's been going on eight years, I guess, the grass is... It's always been hit or miss. Like they, they cut it on Wednesday, but then like it rained and just, they weren't incentivized. But like when you have your mother-in-law come over to your house this weekend for Thanksgiving dinner, you're going you're gonna to make sure the lawn looks good, right? Because it's your house. That's how cool it is to have our own members cutting our own grass. They're actually incentivized to make, it, to make it look good. So the flower beds also look awesome. The, the grass cutting, you can, you can get involved in that. We have like a committee that does the flower beds and a team that cuts the grass. So any way you want to serve, um, we're happy to have you plug in. Uh, let me look at vocation on this handout. I mean, it's, it's a, I, can, I can get through it pretty quick. So it's, it's weird to have a, a, a woman changing a diaper there at the very front. What, what on earth? So the concept of vocation, if you were to Google it, um, you're, you're, if, if, if within a religious, con, uh, religious context, typically the word vocation is associated with church work, in, especially in the Roman Catholic tradition. So the vocation that would be like a, to be a nun or a priest in some, working in the church in some way. But we're going to unfold for you a lot more value in a vocation. And it's huge um, doctrine of comfort for me and one of my favorite doctrines to teach on. So here we go. We tend to look for spiritual significance in the extraordinary, but God is at work in the ordinary routines of making a living, going shopping, being a citizen, spending time with family, etc. That's the basic idea. So you think... The, like I, I go to work Monday through Friday. I spend time with my family as best I can. Uh, I take the kids to soccer. I, all the, I go to shopping, do the laundry, change the diapers, all this stuff. 
That's like this mundane, daily, non-spiritual stuff. Then, maybe a few minutes before bed at night, I can try to pray. Uh, Maybe I'll try to do a devotion. I go to church on Sunday morning. That's my spiritual stuff. And so there's like this divide between how we categorize stuff in our head as time we give to God, like reading the Bible, versus time we give to everything else. What that, what that forgets is that God, you actually belong to God. You've been baptized into him. And he is working through your hands, your mouth, and your feet everywhere you go. So when the husband buys flowers for his wife, it, it has nothing to do with church. And yet, who gave that wife to that husband? God. And so... For the husband to then take the money that he's, that he's making and use it to extol his bride is this holy thing because of who he is and who she is. That has us seeing all of our life through this lens of vocation. Like um, for our jobs, the, the big picture for me is I, I used to work at a factory in Tinico Automotive. I can't remember if I was talking to somebody in this room about that, but after I graduated seminary or graduated uh, college before I went to seminary, I had like six months before seminary's next semester started, and I was staying in Seward, Nebraska, where I went to school. I was still dating Mandy. I wanted to like propose to Mandy, but I needed money to buy a ring, and so here's a factory. They're paying like 18 bucks an hour back in like early 2000s. I'm like, all right, what do you do with all this money? When you're single, you're paying like 300 bucks a month in rent. You have like 18 bucks an hour. Oh, it all disappears really quick when you buy a ring. I was working at this factory, and uh, it's just miserable work. <laughs> Nothing makes you want to go back to school faster than working in a, a factory that makes mufflers and stuff. And I always remember this guy. We, we built this long pipe that went underneath a, a school bus, and it's the, basically the exhaust pipe that you see the, lat, the, the back like six inches of if you're ever behind a school bus. But it actually runs all the way underneath, all the way to the front of the engine. So it's a really long pipe. And I, I ran the small bender, so it like bends all those weird funky turns in that thing, and you have to do it and get it just so, and you put it in this checker at the end to make sure that it's within the tolerance, that it's not gonna be bumping up against stuff on the school bus. Every part has to get checked. If, you, if it's not just right, you have to scrap it. That's a lot of metal. And if we have too much scrap, then we lose our bonuses every month or whatever it is, and people get mad at you because it says that the small bender put out all the scrap and, and everybody's mad at you at lunchtime and stuff. So, like, all of a sudden you're like, okay, this one's close enough. Like, it's touching, but it's like, it's close enough. And this guy sitting next to me, I always remember he had like a this full-blown redneck hat. He's, had, he's got this uh, toothpick he always had in his mouth. He looks at me and goes, you know, this is for a school bus. Don't you want it to be perfect? It's like, <sighs> so I was getting wrapped up in the, the daily monotony of making this pipe and disconnecting it from who it was serving. And so that was this great example of vocation of having in mind the people that we're serving through our vocations, whether it's the, the pipe that I'm making that's going on the school bus, or if I can't actually find any, <laughs> it's like, who am I serving? One of these like, seemingly purposeless jobs of like upper management working whatever some people have told me like yeah it's it's just a job it's how i pay the bills which is itself a wonderful holy thing so i gotta put a roof on the roof over the kids right feed food in the stomachs and so god is working through this endeavor as meaningless as it might seem to ultimately do good and this is the the bold the bold line behind the lady there is vocation flips the curse of the garden and brings joy to work. So in the Garden of Eden, recall how with the curse of sin came the promise of death, right? And also pain and childbearing. And to the man, it was this, the ground's going to yield thorns and thistles and you're going to have to work the ground until you return to the dust from which you came. Merry Christmas. So this the fact is, we have to work. And that, the fact that we have to work kind of kills the joy. That's where I like, sometimes a lot of people volunteer at church and will offer to pay them. They're like, no, 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 don't pay me. Because when you start getting paid for a thing that you're volunteering for, it makes it not fun anymore. Because you have to do it. So uh, the fact that we have to feed, we have to work 
to, to get food to, to feed our bodies in a very simple, basic way, there's a joylessness to it. And that's part of the curse, is that we have to eat or we die. We have to work to eat. But then vocation comes along and says, yeah, but all the stuff that we're doing in our daily lives that can be seemingly pointless at times or mundane or full of baby poop, like the picture there, is ultimately, who does that baby belong to? God. And he wants those diapers changed. And he's working through my hands to do it at 2 a.m. or whatever it is, right? So what it does is it says, so even though no one is watching the mom change the diapers, Luther was always talking about that as his example, God working through hiddenness, lowliness, God working through the seemingly mundane, working through the mother, uh, working, through, working through things when people can't see you. It's ultimately God's hands doing what he wants done. Now that's not limited to church. Notice everything is, we're talking about like day-to-day, doing the laundry, doing the dishes, sitting with the family, driving the kids to soccer practice. This is holy because you are holy and God's working through you to serve the people that he's put in your life. Now also we come to church and that's a holy thing too where he makes us holy, he sanctifies us, gives us gifts. But the time, the time that we give to God is not limited to the time that you're in the sanctuary or the time that you're cutting grass at church. So like, if you're saying to me, Pastor, I want to volunteer to cut the grass at church. And then, but I know behind the scenes that you're like not doing anything at your house and your wife is getting really impatient with you because she's been begging you to cut the grass for like a month and you won't do it. And you're like, you're obviously avoiding her by volunteering here. I'm going to say, you should go cut the grass at home. Right? Because, but but it's the church needs to get cut. Like if I cut the, gra- if I cut the grass at church, then I'm going to somehow get more favor with God. Like, no, it's just grass. The grass here is just as much God's as the grass in your front yard. So you, you're, we're serving wherever God places us. And, and as we have time and ability, we also serve in the church in various capacities. But don't think that the time that you spend in church is serving, especially, is somehow holier. So I, I can't, I just can't spend time with my kids because I jumped on every board the church has. Well, no, you need to be at home with the kids. Maybe take a break from all the boards for a while and then come back and see me in five years and they're in college, right? Because God gave you those kids. Now, the same, this, this is, I don't like to talk about money if you know me, but this is the only talking about money that I'll do is um, the money that you put in the offering plate is not the only money you give to God. Going back to the buying the flowers for the wife. If God is giving me the wife, as this wonderful gift to love and serve, and I'm buying her flowers or putting food in, the, in, in my children's bellies. I'm taking care of these kids that he's given me. I'm just as much giving that money to God as the money I put in the offering plate. It's not holier to put it in here. And if you've ever been on a board of finance or a board of whatever you want to call it in any church, you always see the, you see like the, the budgetary waste or the things you might complain about or whatever. So like the idea is we... The Lord has given us gifts individually, whether it's financial, time, our personal abilities, and he works through it to serve our neighbor wherever he has us. So wherever, where, where that is in your job, where that is in your family, your neighborhood, community, and, and, and everything that you're doing there is holy, insofar it's not overtly sinning. So I, I want to discourage you from prostitution as a key example there. <laughs> but like wherever else we are serving in our vocations, it is holy and God's working through us. But then also we have church. We recognize that, you know what? We don't, we don't have to have this really big, awesome building. Um, we, we could just meet at like, I don't know, drag you, probably your parents might not let us have worship in your basement right here. You are close by. But if we had to close the church because no one's putting any money in the offering plate, we could and we'd be fine. Here's what this looks like. We have to start shopping pastors, church workers, um, so that we, uh, first thing to go, you lose the youth pastor, we lose the visitation pastor, we lose, we, we, lose, we lose pastoral care that's dedicated to the people. So when you're in the ER and, and decisions have to get made or whatever, and, and you call me, I can't come because I'm on my, like, my, my shift at Starbucks and they'll fire me if I leave and I gotta feed my kids and I can't get fired, you see? So, or I'm never studying the Bible to actually teach my congregation. Why? Because I'm, I'm having to do my job. So the idea is the luxury of the pastoral office that we, ha- that we have in our American first world problems context is that's where our money goes in a really practical way. So the money we put in the offering plate 
is to serve the ministries here, to support the ministries here, to have the church that we want to have here. But when your personal life is like, hey, man, we, we can't make it here, you know, just, as, just as holy to put your money in your, in your kitchen because your wife needs a new whatever. Um, so, um, do you see, does that make sense? It doesn't, not every pastor approaches giving that way. So I'm basically telling you that the money you don't give to church is just as holy as the money you give to church. And we haven't had any financial problems yet. <laughs> because, but that, that sets you free then to say, insofar as God has given you, you can be generous. That's not just generous to here. That's generous to those in need, whoever God puts in your life. Um, as God has given you, the money belongs to him anyway. He doesn't need it. Um, he doesn't need money to do things, but your neighbor does. That would be the neighbors that he puts in your life, the homeless, the homeless people you pass on the way to work or whatever it is. And here also we recognize that we, we need to buy, we need to keep the lights on. We want to be good stewards of the stuff we have, though. So we, we want to be really good stewards of our church and the, and the stuff we have here, which is why you don't want me running a finance and investing in Bitcoin. But if you've got expertise in that field, jump on a board. That's the basic idea of uh, a vocation and where I wanted to go. So everything else is just maybe applying that. Like, um, I don't need to bother reading this. But we reckon the masks of God, the weird mask picture, is everybody in your life. So when the mailman comes by and puts the mail in your box and waves, God is waving at you. Because God is bringing you the mail through his service, just as you are, are God God is working through you to serve your neighbor wherever you are. So we, so we not only have joy in our vocation toward others, but we also recognize the hand of God in people serving toward us. Um, to be sure, the devil's at work there because we're, we're the, I think it's in the, my, in the back at the bottom, bearing the cross in vocation. Um, since God is at work in vocation, the devil seeks to thwart vocations. Uh, without faith, vocations are merely employment and empty of meaning. With faith, they are masks of God. So crosses in our vocation is comprehended through the saving cross of Christ. So we know that in our, in our vocations, we always have, we have trials and we have um, challenging times and the devils that we're trying to lead us to sin and so forth. But uh, the life of the Christian, the rhythm of the Christian life, there at the bottom of the handout, is um, it's a, an ongoing life of repentance kind of back to where we started in our first so the baptismal life is the Lord has put his name upon you and you belong to him and he has he has made you holy forgiven you all your sins and then set you out into the world to serve your neighbor and as soon as you engage with a neighbor um, you will be able to love them and also sin against them that's the burden of talking to other humans and what's interesting about the law, if you recall our conversation about the law, is you can't keep the law by just avoiding people because the law actually calls you to serve your neighbor. That is, so for example, in the Eighth Commandment, that the, the wants us to not speak evil of our neighbor but actually defend him, speak well of him, and put the best construction on things. Well, I can't defend him if I'm just hiding in a cave somewhere. I also can't offend him. But the law isn't saying just don't offend people. It's actually help those who need help. Help your neighbor. So we have to engage. And if you're like me, who likes to talk way too much, when you, when you talk, you try to help, sometimes you occasionally offend. And what do you do when we offend? We apologize. Here's the rhythm of the Christian life, right? So we live every day knowing that we are holy and we belong to Christ, that God is working through our hands to serve our neighbor wherever we are. We also know that as we go along the way, we're, we sin. And so we, we apologize to people and forgive as, as freely as we receive forgiveness. And then he calls us back on Sunday, fills us up again, fills up the tank with more forgiveness and uh, softens, our, softens our heart to forgive others too, right? And just, we just stay in that rhythm. That's the Christian life. Not one of working towards sinlessness, but actually the life of repentance is, is ultimately a life of striving to love our neighbor and come back and being forgiven. Striving to love our neighbor, come back and being forgiven. And the end result is actually we, we kind of lean away from sin because it hurts our neighbor. It's not, have you ever like, when you accidentally sin against someone, it's actually, oh, you're like ashamed. 
Sorry, I didn't mean to do that. Sorry. Forgive me, right? So we want to avoid that. And that's the, that's the Christian life. So the Lord strengthens us to love our neighbor um, as, uh, as we love ourselves. What's he got? Doing good? No questions? Nothing on vocation? Nothing on the Lord's Supper? Nothing on the end times? Nothing on the, the Janus Maestaticum? You guys are easy. Very good. Well, it's been a, it's been a joy teaching you, and I, can, I pray you continued uh, growth in the faith and learning um, again. I don't know if I said this yet, but you should come to Bible study. Uh, come to Bible study on Sundays. Beth has some things to say. We're wondering um, if you'll be, if we have cake for a reception. Oh, yeah. For the 11 o'clock service, if you all come. Yeah, so during Bible study on Sunday, which is weird because we, we put the installation in the late service because we have a baptism in the early service. So we're going to have like a welcome reception before you're actually brought into membership. But it's the only time that everybody's together during fellowship time. So we're going to have a pre-installation Costco cake that says, congratulations, right? Um, so you think you might be there for that? Can I get a general hand? Will people come to that? You're going to be, it's uh, 10 o'clock or 9. Oh, you have a long day. Oh, I just, oh, you have to sit through the sermon twice. Uh, maybe it'll get better. better by be a good one. I know, better. <laughs> yeah, bummer. Like, uh, well, good for you. There's two. You can't ever have too much Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> you pay special attention to that hymn, though. You get that, the fun. It's one of my favorite hymns. It's jarring. You're like, man, this is like a pretty dreadful hymn. And then it's like, oh, there's the comfort. Um, so, yeah, so get, let's do a Costco cake. Nine, about 9.45. So early service goes by 8.30 to 9.30. 9.35, and then um, fellowship during that whole window in the middle there, and then we kind of start announcements at 9.55, and then Bible study at 10. That's the general Sunday layout. So grab some, grab some Costco cake, and we'll, I guess we'll have name tags for you to pop on. And you guys, I mean, many of you guys have been coming to Bible study. Grab a table, and somebody will come up and offend you, or, or be nice to you. 50-50 chance, one or the other. There's no middle ground. <laughs> Just kidding. Anything else? Um, pictures and bios. Ah. Yeah, so I, I, I mentioned that one day on a, on, a, on a side note, and I, and I never followed through on it. So the idea is um, we actually, since we last met or two, two weeks ago, we were thinking we should do an in-house directory. We're just going like, to get families to try to actually do the official like, photography thing. It's super annoying. They try to sell you stuff that you don't want, and it's terrible. So like, you've got a picture in your house. If you don't, do a selfie and just then text it to me or send it to Beth and we, and we, we just print it in-house. And so we can have a directory that we can give to our members. So especially if you guys are trying to learn who people are, put a name with a face. It's not the best quality picture because it's like low resolution or whatever it is, but you get the idea. <laughs> yeah, he's a bald guy with grayish hair. I don't know, I can't just... You can get close. <laughs> yeah. And one thing that our old church did is they did, it was a lot smaller, so they could fit it all on the bulletin board, but it was like those, you know, pictures of every family on the bulletin board, and I know that was really helpful to, like, put names and faces and stuff to just, like, have it kind of in our text. I don't know yes. if do that we, at least We were in the hallway group. a lot with babies, too, so I would, like, yeah. and that's how I would, yeah. My Vicarage Church did that, and I actually had that idea when I was here. The problem is, at the time, we were too big, and you have to draw the line on, like, who do you put on the on the board, right? Um, but I think now post-COVID, we're, we're practically smaller enough, small enough to do it. So maybe we can look at that. Well, that's happening. That's the picture. So the picture you send Beth will pop up on the, on the bulletin board. Do we have a bulletin board? Somewhere in the narthex. Um, we used to have this w really weird, archaic tower. It's actually still in the, across the way. It's called the Tower of Information. It's like the Eye of Mordor. Um, <laughs> it's like this six foot, what do you call it, a cube? It's not a cube, it's rectangular. It's like a tower. It's like three feet by three feet and six feet tall. And all sides of it were like pushpin able. But it was just like, a, and one of them was a dry erase board. But it was like, if I took a key and like went over the dry erase board with lots of scratches over the course of 10 years, 
Like that's in our narthex. Like, welcome to Bethany. We don't care about our place here. <laughs> uh, and then whenever we put somebody's face on the, it was always the we we put the elders. We had, we had Chris Johnson, who many of you guys know Chris Johnson. He just he just he's one of our younger members. He just moved up north, but um, he would always come by and poke everybody's eyes out with a pushpin on there. So you know, it's fun with that. But we so we don't I don't, we don't have like an official. You guys will hopefully be a part of us doing the big narthex renovation at some point to have like a narthex that says, hey, we have something that's not from 1990. So something very basic. I think we're going to go primitive and just because it's just less expensive. And at a time when the stock market's doing what it's doing, let's not spend a ton of money, but just we can paint the walls and get new carpet, right? That's the idea. So that'll be happening in the next year, hopefully. I said that three years ago. So one of these days, maybe before the time, like when Ella's second or third child is born, um, maybe before then, we'll, uh, we'll have the narthex done. So get those pictures to Beth if you would. And also, did you say the, the offering? Again, I was talking about the money thing. The, if, you, if you care about the, the doing the offering, when it comes to offering, like you get your, oh, the only tracking matters is for your tax purposes. So you, I guess, and that's not really a thing anymore because the minimum standard, the minimum whatever is higher now. But if you care about that and you want, and you want that information, um, you can get, you have a number associated with you. And I don't see that by the way. Um, so there's only one person, Pam Calzo, is the only person in the church who knows what people give. And um, I intentionally, not, and not every pastor has that same opinion. In different churches maybe take different approaches because the fact is when people are, when there's spiritual problems going on at home, um, whether or they're mad at church, a lot of times that's reflected with the wallet. So you can kind of see significant changes with something. He must have gotten laid off or there's a divorce or something. I need to, I need to call this family. But because I'm a sinner too, if I go, okay, here's my big givers and I have to choose but who am I going to visit today? Who am I going to call? All of a sudden I can start to weigh and then the sinful flesh gets involved whether or not I like it. So I don't want to know. Just keep it out of my way. If that sets you free to know that I don't, I don't know what people give. Um, so, but if you want an envelope for those practical purposes, uh, let Beth know. Otherwise you can do online giving. Um, and just eliminate that because envelopes cost less like 10 bucks a person or whatever it is. It's, it's tiny. But. So, but then if you're like me, like I, I would just get the, I get the box of envelopes and put it in the garbage because I used online giving. I, used the, I don't need these envelopes cluttering up my nightstand or whatever. So um, I, think that's, I think that's everything. Uh, so again, see you, see you Sunday. Thank you guys very much. Um, see you Sunday at... Um, at 9.45, or, or in your case, probably 8.15 yeah. first. <laughs> at 8, okay, it's a long day for you. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's close with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a good night.